Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame. Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take take our our power back and and live motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Molly Sines. She's an administrative assistant with the Autism Society of El Paso. She's also a really good friend of mine from college, and she's a mother of two. And we're just excited to have her here with us to speak today. Hi, Molly. How are you? Hi. Thank you, ladies, for having me on. I'm super excited to be on with you all. Thank you. Thank you. And so for the listeners that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Molly Sines, like Carla said. Um, I am a mom of two. Um, I was born in Oceanside, California, um, when my dad was stationed out there from the Marine Corps. Um, and then we moved over here to El Paso. Um, but then I moved back to California for a while because my husband joined the Marine Corps. So that was really great. Um, so I'm a mama too. I have um, a six-year-old and a five-year-old. They are my world. I love them. Uh, my life kind of revolves around them, but it's okay. Um, it's no big. I mean, there's no problem with that. Um, so both of my kids um, have autism. So I am a very big advocate for them because um, I want to make sure that if anything were to happen to me that they'll be good in the world, they'll be okay, and they won't need um, as much help because I set them up for success. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And so can you tell us, like, um, what was the process like when you first, you know, when your kids were first diagnosed? Yeah. So our journey started um, – when my son Joel was about, well, we got him diagnosed at 18 months, um, but I started seeing signs when he was about six, I believe he was six or seven months. Um, I went to lunch with one of my friends, um, and she worked with kids who um, have different types of disabilities, so she was very familiar with autism, um, and we were sitting at lunch. And Joel would shake his head like in a no motion, side to side, um, just for no reason. He would just shake his head. And she would ask me um, if he was like, if colors caught his attention. And I was like, not that I know of. I don't really know of that. But she was scared of asking me like if um, I thought something was wrong with him if he might or even mentioning that he might have autism because she said like in the past um she told one of her friends something that like that and her friend got mad at her and it kind of broke the the relation the friendship so she was very hesitant she didn't tell me anything um but as joelle started growing older i started just noticing different things um he would walk well, when he started walking, he would walk on his tiptoes. Um, he wouldn't make eye eye contact with me. And at one point, we thought that he was deaf. 
that he couldn't hear us because we would call him. We would say his name, um, and he, like even on the top of our lungs, and uh, Joel wouldn't respond. Um, so when I went to visit my sister, um, she was trying to play with Joel. Um, and by that time, I had already started looking into autism. And I even remember I made a comment to my father and I was like, I need to get Joel checked because I think he might have autism. Um, and my dad's like, no, 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 don't get him checked. He's fine. They're just going to want to put him on medication. I was like, no, there's something going on. Something's going on. So when I went to visit my sister, my sister was on the floor playing with Joel. And she realized that Joel wasn't making any type of eye contact with her. He didn't want to play with her. Like, he didn't want to interact with her. Um, and she stopped, like, mid-playing with him. She's like, Molly. She's like, Joel, like, will not look at me. Like, he does not want to play with me. He doesn't want to interact with me. I was like, yeah, I know. I think, I think he might have autism. She's like, you need to go get him checked. Um, and by that time, I already had his 18-month checkup coming up, so it was already scheduled in the books. Um, and then after visiting my sister, we went over to my brother's house. And my brother told me, Molly, um, it's weird that Joel doesn't have a connection with you. Like, many kids have that connection with their moms that they want to be held, they want to be hugged, they want they want that attention from their mom. Um, and Joel doesn't have that with you. Like you don't it doesn't seem like you guys have an emotional connection. And it broke my heart. Like it broke my heart and I was like, I know. I know I'm gonna get him evaluated when we get back. I think he might have autism. So people in my family started seeing that and it was funny because I told my brother, don't even tell dad anything because dad automatically is going to tell you, no, 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 nothing's wrong with him. They're just going to want to put him on medication and he's too young. And my brothers are like, no, like you really need to, you need to really need to bring this up to the doctor's attention. So at Joel's 18 month checkup, um, I let his doctor know and his doctor was like calling him, um, just doing like little tests with him. He's like, you know what, Miss Sines, um, I think you're right. Um, I can see what you're talking about, and we're going to get him um, referred over to Dr. Sukoff, who is um, a, de a developmental specialist here in El Paso. Um, so I thought the wait was going to be long because they did tell me when I called her office that the, the wait list was so long. Um, but it's like God knew that I needed to get an answer. Um, because I think it was like two days after I called to schedule an appointment, um, they called me and they were like, Hey, Miss Science, um, so we have an opening next week. And I was like, I will take it. I will take it. Okay, great. I, cause I was expecting, um, what they had told me was like about three to six months to get in to see her cause the wait list is so long. So I went in, they did everything and it, she ends up telling me, yeah, you're correct. Um, he does have autism. So right then and there, she started getting the paperwork, um, like referrals and stuff um, for him. So after that, I called his doctor to let his doctor know. And his doctor helped me get some more referrals because I had to get the primary doctor's uh, referrals in order to get him going into therapy. Um, 
about a month, maybe less than a month, um, Joel was started on speech therapy and occupational therapy. Um, and he would go twice a week for an hour for each one. Um, so ever since then, we've been doing um, therapies. Like right now, he does speech therapy twice a week um, and occupational twice a week. And then he still gets those services inside school. Now, Ivory, um, Ivory was a different story. I raised my five-year-old. Um, so autism is mainly common in boys because girls were able to um, adjust to our environment. So it's hard sometimes for girls to get diagnosed with autism. Um, but I started seeing little things with Ivory. Um, her speech, she wasn't having her speech at all. Um, she was also not, like I would call her name, she wouldn't listen. Um, I'm trying to think what else. The eye contact. So I just started seeing little little things at a time, and I ended up taking her to an appointment. Um, and I brought it up to our pediatrician. He's like, you know what? He's like, you're pretty good at this. Like, I'm going to write your referral. So he sent us to Dr. Sukoff. Hers didn't take as long either because um, Joel had an appointment that day. So they put them together. And um, sure enough, um, she's she lets me know that um, Ivory is on the spectrum as well, um, along with Ivory has ADHD and she has really bad anxiety, which is very common in kids who have autism. So Ivory was diagnosed when she was about two. Um, so she gets um, speech and occupational therapy as well. Well, Molly, you are busy with those appointments, but I'm glad that you were able to get the help you need because you mentioned about the specialist and having a long wait time. Do you know because there's not enough doctors here in El Paso or, do you know, kind of like any insights as to why they take so long? So at the time that Joelle got and Ivory got diagnosed, there was only two doctors here in town that would do um, evaluations of diagnosis for autism. Um, and they're still around, but I think if anything, there's... Texas Tech recently opened, like, a special um, clinic, I guess you can say it's a clinic, because um, I saw it online, um, that they're helping with diagnosing children with autism because there's not enough of that here in El Paso. We only really had two um, developmental specialists here in El Paso, so wait times can be up to a year to get evaluated. Um, which makes it hard because the earlier you get your child going on those therapies, the better it's going to be for them. Um, right. So I'm a very, very big um, advocate for like, I know a lot of people don't say like early intervention because a lot of people on the intervention world uh, word um, can trigger some people, but getting your kids started on, on, these therapies that they need it's gonna help them so much like you will see a different a different kiddo within like I want I, I think like with Ivory like 
within a, like six months to a year. Um, Joelle has taken a little bit more time, but it's amazing to see what the little milestones that they make. Like any little thing that they do is like a big thing to us. And I think the autism world where um, any little accomplishment, like you have to throw a party for it. Like <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got goosebumps just talking about that. Um, yeah, it gets everyone excited. That's awesome. You got to celebrate every little win you get, obviously. And so, yes, yes. you know, we talked a lot about like getting those diagnoses. And then now that the kids are school age, have you seen a different type of struggle now that they're involved in school? Good old school. Okay, so let me start off with um, when our kids have to, when our kids start going to school, they also get evaluated evaluated through the school psychologist. So you have go through another mm -hmm. round of tests. Um, I think the scariest part for me when getting them involved in school, well, when Joel started school, he was actually in California, which wasn't as intimidating as it was when I brought him back, when we came back to El Paso. So um, they have these things called annual review discussions where you walk into a room And there's about six to eight different people from the school. You have um, the diagnostician from the school. You'll have either the vice principal or the principal or like some type of administrator. Um, you'll have your child's teacher, you the speech therapist, occupational therapist, um, any other therapy that they're getting in school, you have that person. Uh, So it's like overwhelming walking into a room where there's just all these people that you've never seen. Um, yeah. And they tell you about your child. And sometimes I feel like you get more negativity out of positivity from them. Um, like they just tell you all the areas that your child's struggling in. Um, And I know for myself, I've walked out of those meetings like crying because mm. they can just be so overwhelming. And even though you're working so hard with your child, um, I know that there's been times where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I doing? Like, how can I help them? Because I feel helpless um, because they're just there telling you what your child is struggling in. And it's like, oh, my goodness, like, ugh. Um, so it makes it really hard walking into those meetings. Um, but those meetings help um, come up with an educational plan for your child to see how they can meet, like, um, every like their goals. Like, how can they help them meet those goals? Um, so every year we do, we go through that. Um, and those are hard. But the school system, I've always said that if I was rich, I would open up a school for kids with autism right. because sometimes I feel like the public school system, I don't know. because personally, I don't know about like private school. I don't know about that. Um, but I feel like our schools are more concerned about money than they are concerned with our kiddos who have disabilities. And it's kind of sad. Um, so Joelle started off at a pre-K here in town. And like 
two weeks before he was about to go back to school for his second his second um, pre-K, I got a letter in the mail saying that they were moving the autism unit out of the, the pre-K into another school. Two weeks. Um, and if you know about autism, you know that our kids, change is very hard for them. And it takes them time to adjust. So two weeks, um, we got to go to the school. We got to... Um, meet the teacher, meet the principal, meet the staff, and see the classroom. The classroom wasn't even done yet. Mm. I remember showing up to the first day of school with Joelle, and it was, like, such a horrible day. Um, I still, like, can replay it in my mind. Um, we walked into the classroom. The classroom was not done. They had them by an exit door of the school. Our kids are runners. Like, most of our kids are runners. If they want to get out of somewhere, they can escape. Like, they'll find a way to get out. So that was my main concern. And um, their uniforms didn't have, like, the name of the school. So if one of our kids ran out of that building and no one knew, they were on a main, um, one of our main streets. Um, they could run into the street, get hit by a car, or... What if they just walk away and someone finds them and then if they're nonverbal, they can't speak for themselves to tell them who they are or where they're supposed to be. So it's very scary. Um, so I brought that up and I was like, oh my goodness, there was another mom there. She's like, I don't think I can leave my daughter here. I don't think I can leave my daughter here. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. Like as parents feeling that for when your child goes to school, it's scary not knowing what's what's happening, what's like what's going on. Um, and I ended up going to the principal, and the other mother went with me, and we brought up our concerns to her, and we brought up the concern about them being close to an exit door, and what if one of them left? Uh, her response was, "Oh, it's okay. We have a fence around the school." <laughs> okay. Yeah, we have a fence around the school. You have the teacher's um, parking that had an entrance that the entrance was open. You have the visitor parking where the entrance is open. Like, she's like, yeah, we have a fence. They won't be able to get out. And I was like, lady, seriously, if our kids want to escape, they're going to escape. Like, they're going to run off. Um, even if you think they're not, like, it can happen. Um, so when I got that response, I got home, I ended up calling the special ed department. Um, but it's like the person who I spoke to, she like, honestly, it seemed like she didn't even care. Um, and I reached out to one of my friends from California who, um, she's also an autism mom. Um, and I telling her like, I'm going to write a letter. Um, can you proofread it? And she's like, yeah. So I wrote the letter. She proof proofread it. I sent it to um, the special education director. I sent it to the school district representative for the area that Joelle was going to. Um, I sent it to the principal and I said, sent it to the superintendent. Um, and I ended up getting phone calls um, because the school district representative for the area, she reached back out to me. She's like, this is not okay. 
Like we need to make sure that our kids are safe. Um, so it went around um, and but the special ed director finally called me and she made a meeting with me. And I had like an hour and a half long meeting with her just telling her everything that it wasn't okay. Like it feels like our kids were just pushed out of a school and no one cared about them. So um, that ended up um, helping and it got another teacher in there because there was only two teachers at the time. There was a teacher and then a, I believe they're called like parent paraprofessionals or something like that. Um, and that first day of school, they looked so stressed. Like they, kids were crying and there was one that like had actually opened the door and was about to go before they're like, door, 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 get the door. He's going to leave. Like, that's what one of the teachers and it's like, come on, like that's happening with two teachers. And then there's still parents in here. Like what's going to happen when all the parents are gone. So they ended up bringing in another, um, another one of the parent professional teachers. Um, so they ended up having three, which was a little bit better. Um, and throughout the year, like things just got really, it got better. And I'm, gonna say like being able to speak up for my child and raise the concerns and just be on it I think that's one of the reasons why um things got better with that situation and they ended up making them like name tags like not name tags but like badges um mm -hmm. it didn't have their picture but it had like the campus name their teacher um and their name so it was great just for them to have that in case they ever went walking off. Because you hear these stories of our kids um, walking off in the news. Right. It was last year that one like walked us straight out of the campus. Um, the mom was going to go pick him up and he had walked out. So when the mom got to the school and was like, well, picking up his son, they couldn't find him. And they found him at a park. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. From the school. Yeah, so it it's scary. It is scary. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Well, I'm glad you, you spoke so much about it because I do remember your story and the letter that happened. And I think at the time when that had happened, I can't remember if Cassie had been born or I was still pregnant with her. And I was just thinking, I'm like, I can just imagine, you know, having your kid, like having a verbal kid getting lost. And then having the risk of your child being nonverbal. And even the comment about the fence being around, great, that's awesome. But if you're looking for your child and they won't respond, it doesn't matter if the fence is locked and they can't get out. They're still somewhere in a big campus where you can't find them. They won't respond even if you're calling out to them. And I don't know, when when I was hearing your story or I was reading it on social media what was happening, it, you know, being from an outsider perspective where I haven't, um, you know, experienced all the struggles that you have. Even to me, it seemed like they had made, I was going to say they made plans, but I feel like no plans were made or they didn't have any input from someone like yourself, right? That you understand what the struggles of your children are, what they're good at. Like you say, if they're going to run, they're going to run and they're going to figure it out a way. Um, they're mobile, right? Like it's not like they, they're not moving. Like they're very mobile. And so reading that, I'm like, I feel like they had zero thought. Like they had some random person like myself, like, 
here, let's just put this classroom here, two teachers, sure, that's enough. And we hear from like regular teachers that, you know, have 15, 20, 30 students in a classroom, like, and they're saying they're overwhelmed. And then you have children that need a little bit more attention and they think two teachers is going to do it. And so I remember reading that story and I'm like, holy cow, how can, how can this be happening in 2019, 2020? Like how can this, you would have thought you were reading this like in the 1970s or something. And I'm like, no, this is today's age and this is happening. And how can our system have failed so dramatically? Basically it was like zero preparation. And that, that breaks my heart to hear that, but I'm glad you were able to make a change. And have you had the same issues as similar issues with ivory? With Ivory, no. So <laughs> so when Ivory started school, um, both of them have started school when they were three because that's when um, our kiddos can go to school because if they have, like, ECI services, their um, ECI services with Region 19 stop at three years. So at three years, they get transitioned into the school district. So when Ivory started going to school, she was the only student in her classroom. She was, like, the princess of the classroom um and then they ended up getting like i think two other students after that so but so far with ivory i haven't um but ivory's doing amazing um that they ended up moving her into a collab which is um she has a general teacher a general ed teacher and then she has her special ed teacher so she is in a classroom with 16 kids or 15, 16 with her, um, and about, I think it's five of them are part of the special ed unit, um, but they're all together. So that's great because it helps bring in that inclusion where um, neurotypical kids are able to see and be around their, their peers who do have disabilities, who they're going to recognize that aren't the same as them, but they still learn from them and they learn how to be good friends. Um, and it's great because then that teaches our kids to watch for the, to watch for them. And if they see something happening, they can be like, miss or so-and-so, um, so-and-so's having some issues. Like, can we help them or can I help them? So stuff like that. But, um, my ivory, she is my sassy mama. She is the one, um, if her thing is, uh, she gets anxiety when, the kids aren't doing what they're supposed to. And she's the type that would be like, uh-uh, like that you're not supposed to be doing that. You're, you're supposed to be doing this. And um, it's so funny because it reminds me of, I don't know, maybe when you guys were in high school, um, even elementary, middle school, and your teacher assigned you homework. I always make this joke. You know, when your teacher assigned you homework and then they forget, but you always have that one kid that's like, miss, 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 are we going to turn in our homework? And then like everyone gets mad at, yeah. that's going to be Ivory. Like that is going to be Ivory. And I always tell that joke and everyone laughs. And then you have the people that say like, yeah, that's going to be her. And I'm like, oh, goodness, how am I going to prepare for this? Um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like if you're not doing something that you're supposed to be doing, like she'll call you out on it. I know like there's times like a bad word has slipped out of my mouth and she'd be like, Mommy, you said a bad word. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. But she still has some issues with her speech. Like, um, 
sometimes she'll say like her words um like three times before she finally gets out the full sentence um but we do have a lot of social anxiety um meeting new people um she'll be like she'll ask me if it's okay to speak to other kids or if she can ask adults questions but like when it comes to men like she's very skittish she will not go near them if she's ever seen them she'll hide behind me and she'll say mommy i'm scared mommy i'm scared um going into new places sometimes she'll be like mommy i'm scared i don't want to go um yeah so but no when it comes to the education system for ivory so far everything has been good i haven't had any any difficulties with her which is sad because she's half special ed and half general ed population so it really makes me think do they not see our kids who are in special ed important you know what i mean um right yeah so it's hard it is hard it is very hard and as we've gone through this, like you mentioned, a couple of friends and moms that you connected, have you felt like you've found like a community here in El Paso to kind of like support and kind of like to vent with here locally? Oh, yeah. So I really feel, and it's funny because let me tell you a story. Yesterday we went to the farmer market on the west side and Joel, um, he kept running from me. Like he's a runner. Um he has no sense of danger. He does not care. If he sees something he wants, he's going to run for it. So he wanted um, a snack. And, of course, he can't verbalize it to me to tell me what he wants. Um, so we use a lot of picture cues. But I, um, they keep his, his picture book, at uh, communication book at school. So um, he wanted takis. Mm. And he saw a table with takis. So I had bought him some and we went walking around. Well, he had finished them and he wanted more. So I had actually stopped at a booth that had um, like autism decorations and stuff. Um, and he was trying to run for me. And I was able to catch him right away. And it was funny because the mom, the lady who was in the booth, she looks at me and she's like, I was like, sorry, and I probably shouldn't apologize, but sometimes I do apologize, and that's something that I have to get over. I was like, sorry, and she's like, it's okay. He has autism, huh? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I knew it. As soon as he ran and you grabbed him the way you grabbed him, I was like, I bet you he, I bet you he has autism. So it's funny how, as an autism mom, like we're able to kind of pinpoint the other ones. Um, <laughs> which makes that connection and you get to uh, switch numbers and talk about your kids. I, yeah. So I've met a couple of um, other moms from the kids' schools. Um, and then, of course, for my work now, getting to meet other moms is amazing because, you know, you can always call back on one of them, like if you have questions about anything, especially the, the ones who have older kids and have been through more. You can call them and ask for advice and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, that saying, it takes a village. Um, how does it go? It takes a village to grow a child or something like that. That that goes really hard with, um, I think, us in the autism community because it really does take a village. 
Oh, well, I'm glad that you, you know, you found that and that it makes you feel a little more included. And you're right, because even just sharing stories or having a mom that just went through, you know, even when you te your children are teething, when they're little babies, like even just reaching out to someone else like, hey, did your kid do this? Or how did that help? Or, you know, just sharing those stories or just venting like, yeah, it's rough. Yeah. And it's okay. It only lasted for so long or whatever, you know, just being able to share that. It's really good. And so you mentioned a little bit of who you work with. So can you tell us a little bit of what you've been doing lately? Yeah. So um, I'm really blessed to have started working with the Autism Society of El Paso. Um, I started December last year. And it's been a great, um, a great adventure. Um, so we do a lot of... Um, we try to provide resources for our parents um, and even educators in the El Paso area um, if they are looking for information when it comes to like different therapies, um, behavior therapy, um, or just like any question that they might have that they just need some help on. They reach out to us and we're able to help them um, by guiding them in the direction um, that they need to go. And then we also do events. Um, to help bring out those social skills in our kids because that's one top, that's one area that can be hard for them is um, like communicating with others and stuff like that. So when we have those social um, activities where they're able to interact with other kids, oh my goodness, it's amazing. It is amazing. Um, just seeing them come out of their little shells and uh, it's like the greatest thing ever. We had one a couple of weeks ago um, for our young adults. Um, I think the ages were like 17 to 25. Um, and we had volunteers come down from Howard University. Um, but it was like a young adult social skill party. And then before that, we had like a class for them to teach them um, how to talk and interact with others. Well, at the end of the party, I opened up the floor and asked if any of them wanted to speak. Um, and to be honest, I didn't think anyone was going to want to speak. Like none of these, these, these young adults were going to speak. And to my surprise, a young man raised his hand. He's like, I'll say a couple words. And he didn't sit. He actually stood in front of a room of, oh my goodness, that's about 50, 60 people. And he spoke. After he spoke, another one raised his hat and he talked to. Even though it was hard for him, he got up um, and he spoke. And then another one did. And by the end of all these young men, like talking, everyone were in tears. Like everyone. There was a mom there and she was just crying because her son was the first one to speak. Um, and she was like, yeah. It was like amazing. So, so, so being able to help them to get to build these skills and to see them grow, it's like the best feeling ever. Because you, you start feeling, especially the ones who attend our events like all the time, you, bec you make that connection. And you, right. it's like even though you're not blood related, like that's like a family. It is it's like a family um and it's, it's awesome yeah, yeah I love it. amazing. 
got good yeah, that's I a good story. Um, I wish like people could see your face. <laughs> I wish people yeah. could see the, yeah. how much passion you're putting into telling the stories because I can see it in your face how much it really means to you to see them. And I can just imagine, right? Because like you, you're putting so much like blood and effort and tears into this and to see even the smallest improvement or you say like coming out of their shells even just a little mm -hmm. bit like a little light shining through you know it took so much from them to get mm -hmm. up and speak and i can imagine the mom being so excited and happy um so yeah so we have that we do like informational tables um like at region 19 and like wherever they invite us we usually show up um um we have our big major um since april is autism awareness month we have like a run walk happening at the end of april which is really really cool so yeah. if anyone listening wants to join that um you can register that just um, go on to our website um but like through the month of april <laughs> Our calendar is full. We have like special end night. We have um, at Region 19 like an autism awareness fair. Um, there is a gentleman who's hosting a car show at Sunland Park Mall on the 9th, and they're gonna be he's gonna be donating all the funds from the car show to us. Um, wow! So there is part of our El Paso community who's very involved with us and. Um, since we are a nonprofit, those are the ways that we make most of our funds to be able to continue doing events for our our autism community here. Yeah, like um, Kendra Scott is having an event for us too on the 16th where some of the sales from that day will be going to us. Um, the Union Draft House, all month of April, they'll be um, selling a beer some beer and from every pint of beer that they sell they're going to give us like 50 50 50 cent of the sale from one pint of beer but then they're matching like a 500 wow. plus matching um so that's going to be another great one too yeah that's awesome and so i'm glad that all these resources and events are kind of like i mean yes april is the awareness month but it can't just be like one month that we focus on right like this is this is every day 365 mm -hmm. but yeah. is there anything like for those of us listening that you know haven't had the opportunity to kind of like help or get involved with um, autism and just kind of be more educated is there anything some of us in the community can do to help or to be more aware so there are autism academies that um Paso del Norte Children's Development Center does, and they're really informational. And I think, like, even if you're not a parent or you have someone who has autism in, like, your life, these would be great for, like, people in the community to go because they talk about everything, um, like setting a safety plan for the kids, um, how to help them, um, like, be if they have start having like behavior issues. Um, so they're great. They have them throughout the year. Um, we're going to be actually having our caregiver support meeting on the 12th, which is going to be about autism. And what is autism? Just um, raising that awareness about autism, which is great. So if anyone wants to join that, they can definitely visit our Facebook page and register for that one. So that one is um, at 630 on um 
April the 12th, but I always recommend if people want to know more about autism, there's a book that's called The Reason I Jump. And I always recommend this book because it's an actual young man. Well, he's not a young man anymore. He's a, he's a gentleman now. But he wrote about his life as a child and growing up with autism. And he talks about why our kids who have autism do certain things. Like, why do they touch water? Because it's relaxing to them. Or, um, like, why they jump? Or why do they, um, like, hang upside down? Like, some, like, I didn't even know before my kids were diagnosed. Some of them like to be upside down because it, like, um, like, resets their, um, what is it called? Like, their nervous system and stuff. Like, so it's really interesting. And a lot of our kids have um, sensory process disorder. So that's another thing that's hard to deal with as a parent. Um, noises, noises can bother them. Even lights can bother them. Um, um, the texture of their clothing, like with Ivory, it's so hard to dress her. So hard to dress her because she can't handle certain things. And it's like, ah, like, what do I put on you? So right now she just wears dresses because those are the safest things for us. Um, like Joelle, honestly, like if you come to our household, you're going to find Joel either in his pull-up or in his underwear. He's We're currently going through the potty training with him, um, and he's doing good, but he still has to have a pull-up um, because going number two is really hard. And I didn't know that it has to do with, like, his sensory issues that he has. Yeah. So if you ever come to our house, you're going to see a half-naked child. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, um, but another thing that I think is important is for people not to automatically judge that our kids are bad kids. And I think that's mm. the hardest thing is um, going out to stores and if some one of them has a meltdown, people just stare at you. Mm. And they look at you and they judge you like, oh, my goodness, like this mom can't control her kids. Um. Yeah, and talking about the running, um, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was last year that, I can't remember if it was a little girl or a little boy that they, like, escaped their house. I think it was a little boy. He escaped his house, and he ended up getting run over in the middle of the night. And it's like, you go oh on social media, and people are like, well, why? where were the parents? Like, why weren't the parents watching him? Or blah, 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 blah. And it was like, if you had a child that would just automatically leave and you not know, like... Yeah, like there's so much judgment. And I can tell you because Joel has done it. And thankfully, he's just gone like a couple houses down our neighborhood to our friend's house. But Joel has jumped our fence, our gate, and has walked down to our friend's house. Like I checked on him and then I came back in. And then within like a couple minutes, like my friend called me and was like, hey, um, Joel's here. And I'm like, what? I just checked on him. So it's like we had to get video cameras and put them on the house. Um, that way that we can see what's going on outside if he goes outside. Because he loves being outside. So those right. are the scary things. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but a lot of our um, the deaths that happen with kids who have autism, 
they um, happen when it comes to families living close uh, close to bodies of water because water attracts our kids. They love playing in water because it helps soothe them and stuff. Um, so it's hard. It, like everyday life is uh, a different adventure for us. There's no day that's going to be the same. You're either going to have a good day or a bad day. Um, and I hate saying it, but sometimes I like, Carla, I don't know if you've seen some of my posts, but I'll be like, oh my gosh, autism one today. Like, I just can't deal with it. Like, I can't handle it anymore. Like, it is hard. It's hard. And especially when you're a single parent, it makes it like you have no one. And uh, it makes it really hard. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and, sure. and I'm sorry that, you know, that as it is, like, parenthood motherhood is tough on everybody and then you having to add the extra challenges that you know just even coordinating appointments and stuff like that so but I'm also very thankful that you share all that in social media because one I wouldn't be educated about it if it wasn't for your stories and I do see your stories in social media and It brings a lot of awareness, even to myself, to be kind to others, right? Like, we kind of forget, like you're saying, mm -hmm. if a child is having a meltdown, like, Cassie is in the, if you say no right now, like, that's a forbidden word for us in this household because we tell her, no, she throws a fit. And, you know, and at least I know that Cassie just throwing a fit because she doesn't want to be told, no, no, you can't have another cookie. But if she was to have a meltdown outside in the store, like, I can see how I would be so stressed. And you going through that, but when you share it, it makes me aware of like, kind of keep myself in check and being like, okay, well, don't judge anybody else because one, like you don't know what they're going through. And mm -hmm. if you see just being more educated of like, if, you know, being mindful, like what you were even saying about water, like that would have never crossed my mind. Like we all try to be aware of our children, like being around water, especially if they're not good swimmers, but even just keeping that extra eye, if you are at a party or you're anywhere that. You know, you know, one of the children has autism and how it impacts them. Like, be aware and kind of keep that extra eyes on them or just be mm -hmm. mindful and kind of like including your children so that, you know, what you're talking about Ivory and her being in that general education classroom where other kids get to interact with them, right? And that, or children with special needs are not just kind of shoved behind a closed door. And mm -hmm. because it, but for me, it's really important that Cassie is aware of children that have different abilities and that she is aware that there's someone else that is not going to act exactly how she is but it doesn't make that children any better or worse like being exposed to it because even as an adult like going I, I can go back to when I was in elementary being an immigrant like when I moved from Mexico to the United States in my elementary school there was no such thing as special education in Mexico like to me coming to the U.S. that was the first time I ever saw children with disabilities being in school that was so foreign to me and seeing that there was a different classroom for them like that was like a cultural shock in and of itself and as I went through middle school and high school and got to see more of those students like I remember that was like so foreign it was like what what do you mean like It, it was such a, an embarrassing thing to say but like I didn't realize there was even people with disabilities up until I moved to the United States Why? Because maybe in Mexico, they're just not, they don't have the resources to kind of like um, incorporate them to the school, but just kind of being more aware of that and being sensitive and kids are mean sometimes like, yeah, they are, they're, are just, like they're jerks. And so to me, um, 
you know, like I, I talk about Cassie now, like I don't want her to ever be staring and pointing and saying mean things because she just hasn't been exposed to them. And part of it is us as parents doing what we can to expose them. Like we talk about, about, oh, I want my child to travel and be exposed to other cultures. That's great. That's important. But there's a lot of struggles here within home that we can teach them about and to be kind. And so, you know, just you even bringing that awareness, me at 30 years old, like in social media and seeing that, I was like, man, like sometimes I'm having a rough day, but someone else can be having a rougher day. And how can I help them? How can I get more involved? How to get educated? Because it's so common now that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that everybody's speaking up a little bit more. And so I like to be like, well, what can I do to help? Like, I definitely don't want to make things worse. So what little can I do to bring out the stories, to connect, to support if I need to sign something as so little as like a signature or calling the district office? I'm like, why is this happening? Uh So thank you so much, Molly, for sharing all that. And I really, really appreciate it. And I do keep up with your social media posts because I like it. I like to see them and I like to be aware of them. And you know, just kind of stay informed because, man, parenthood is tough, but, you know, you're doing a phenomenal job. Thanks. I always say um, I try not to feel bad for myself or, like, uh, be like, um, because there's always someone who has it worse than I do. At least my kids aren't in a wheelchair or at least my kids don't have to be connected to something or um, having to go through chemo or you know what I mean? Like having something else like, yeah, my kids have autism. They have a harder time at doing things and connecting. And But it could be so much worse. And never in my life have I ever thought I would have a child or two with a disability. Um, but it could be so much worse. Worse, like so much worse. I know, like I can't even imagine what other parents um, have to go through with if their child has chem- um, cancer or you know what I mean like other other things that are far much worse than autism um, so yeah it's important and I don't know if some of my Facebook friends or social media friends get tired of seeing my autism posts but I do it to bring awareness because awareness right. is important because we need to have that awareness um, to be able to accept it and to accept them and um, yeah so it's very important Molly, I was going to ask you, can you tell us the, like the strengths of your kids? Like, what would you say are like their strengths? Where do they shine the most? What are their favorite things? So, um, my little ivory loves dancing. Oh my goodness. This little girl's crazy. She loves dancing. Um, she loves, um, she loves her pup, her stuffed animals. Like she, Oh. <laughs> she loves the soft stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, she loves dancing. Like, I need to get her into some dance classes because, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think she'd be so great in it. Um, Joelle, he's a smart kid. Um, he loves playing with wood, like wood blocks. Um, okay. Wood, like, every, like I was telling his teacher last week at teach, parent-teacher conference, she was showing me something he liked. And I was like, yep, it had to be wood. He likes the wood <laughs> shapes. He likes the wood blocks. He likes the wood alphabets. Like, he loves wood. He loves his Thomas the Train. He loves the car. 
girl, we have like tons of bins full of cars and he knows like which ones he has and he knows which ones he's looking for. And it's funny because he can't verbalize to tell me, mom, I'm looking for this. Like I'm looking right. for this car. He'll go and he'll dump them out until he finds what he's, he's looking for. And then it's like, okay, Joel, now you have to help us pick up. So it's so hard and we'll have to bring him and sit him down and be like, okay, put it in the box to get him. But he loves that and he'll create like his own little car ramps out of any little piece of wood he finds. Um, it's so funny. Um, yeah, out of any little thing, he'll try to find like car wraps. And it was so funny because this past weekend we went, where did we go? We went to Kohl's. It was so funny. And he bought, he wanted this pack of monster trucks. Monster trucks, they're really, they're minis. They're so small. Mm -hmm. And so I open them and I give them to him, right? And he's like reaching out. And I was like, what do you want? He wanted the box. He wanted the box that came in because it had a triangle. It had the Monster Jam logo. You know how it's triangle? He wanted that piece of um, of the box. And I told my mom, oh, my goodness. I just spent, like, I think they were, like, $15. I told my mom, I spent $15 for toys, and all he wants is the triangle. Um <laughs> Um, cardboard started laughing and uh, I was like okay okay like I have to pick my battles I have to pick them and use them like which one's gonna be you know what I mean because mm -hmm. sometimes it's just it's exhausting it's exhausting it's very hard for me to take them out in public because we went to the farmer's market yesterday and by the time like we got like we weren't even there for like maybe like 15 minutes and I was like okay I think I'm ready to go like it's, right, yeah. it's very hard for me to take my kids out because little things can set them off and that's things that we as autism parents that we have to think of like is the lighting gonna be okay is it is it gonna be too loud um oh, yeah like is there gonna be anything that's gonna be um hard for them like, I don't know if you guys have been to Cattle Baron off of Airways and um, it's close to the airport and Montana right. or Boeing. So my dad uh -huh. likes to go eat there. So when we go there, Joel always has a hard time with the lights. So he'll go and he'll sit under the table because, um, yeah, to get yeah, away. Too much. Um, so it just, you, those are things you have to like consider. Uh, that neurotypical parents don't have to consider. Right. Or where's the door? Where's the closest door that they can get out from? Like, is there any doors? Is there any entrances that they can easily escape? Or even going to birthday parties that people don't know about your child. Um, we went to a birthday party, and I was seeing Joel. I was looking at him. And then he disappeared. And I started freaking out because I was like, where's Joel? He was on the trampoline one, one minute. And I'm like, where is he? Where is he? And I saw the gate open. So I started mm -hmm. freaking out. Um, we were looking for him. And then all of a sudden, he walks out the back door with a box of Oreo cookies. And I'm like, really? Like, really? Like, <laughs> I had a panic attack. Like, ugh. like those, like, it's just, it's scary. It's scary. Because yeah. we're all like, Joel, Joel, where are you? But we scream it like his name, but we're probably not going to get any type of response from him. Like a, like a, 
uh, a neurotypical child that would be like, I'm right here, mom, I'm right here. Like, mm. you're not going to get that with him. So right. we have to see the world differently. Um, but I always say that I wish I could get into their their minds. Like, I wish I could see how they see the world. Because I bet you that the way they see the world is so interesting than the way we see it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And I think that's hard too, like, because, you know, not being able to see how they see things and you're just kind of like trying to your best to guess like what, how they're going to respond, what they're thinking, what, you know, I feel like that's really hard because like my son, he doesn't speak right now, speaks very little. And I struggle a lot with that because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like, I don't know. I just start like, you know, the rabbit hole of like, if he never were to speak, like, how am I supposed to relate to him? Like, how can you relate if they cannot speak, you know? And like, and you just like, it's it's hard. It's hard to, to make the adjustments around that of like, well, how do I try to communicate to him this? And you know, also realizing like, he can understand me. Like, he's not, he's he understands. He just cannot speak. So kind of also not putting my own limitations on him because it's not, it's me thinking that, but it's not true. It's just very, it's interesting in it. Like it must be very hard not to know, you know, like how they see the world. And, and because I'm, it varies like from your daughter to your son, they see it differently even, Mm -hmm. you know, within them. So, yeah. Like, uh, Ivory has recently like she'll play with her friends, but she's more, she plays more with boys than girls, which is, I guess, normal for many of us. Um, but Joel, he just stays by himself. Like, you'll take him mm-hmm. to a birthday party, and he won't interact with any of the kids. And there's been time where kids try to interact with him, and it's like... That's the only thing I think I find hard, is explaining it to little ones. Mm-hmm. Of why he can't talk, or why he doesn't want to play with them. Um, because some of them, I mean, they're so young that... They don't fully understand it. Um, right. So, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But as yeah. parents, I think this is stuff that we need to um, tell our kids to be more kind. And because I really believe that it all starts at home. Yeah. And you're the role model for your child. So if they see that you're not being kind to people, then they're going to be like, eh, I don't have to treat that person. You know, what, like, right. Or I could be mean to that person or... Like, that's my biggest fear is, Joel, not so much Ivory. Well, we've already dealt with it, like bullying. Like, we dealt with bullying already with Ivory in school. And she's only five. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is going to be hard. But, yeah, we take it day by day. That's all we can do is take it day by day. Yeah. But if my kids never had autism, I I will tell you, like, I would have never known anything about it. Because, honestly, like... I didn't know much about it until I started my journey with Joelle and had to read into it and do research. And I was actually working on my master's before Corona came and I stopped. Um, but I was working on my master's t- for um, psychology and uh, applied behavior analysis to be able to work with kids with autism, um, with like teaching them different behaviors and stuff like that on how to act and how to do things to be more independent. Um, yeah. yeah. So one day I'll go back to that. Um, but now, right now it's just, 
it's hard to juggle. Um, and even to be a mom with kids that have disabilities, it's hard to have kind of like your own life. Um, it's been hard to keep an, a job or even to work because you have so many therapies going on. You always have something going yeah. on. So it's hard to um, have a full-time job. Yeah. So I'm really happy that I was able to get a part-time job. Um, but before I started working that, I just started like doing like one of those. Um, I started selling Color Street to help make some money, which was really great. Um, but yeah, it's hard. And I just want all the other odd, like moms who are going through what I'm going through or if even if their first kid is first diagnosed, like you're not alone. There's a community out there um, that you can always reach out. I'm always here. Yeah. Just go find me on Facebook or Instagram if you ever have any questions. Um, and it's pretty cool. I guess everyone sees my stories. And I've had so many friends reach out and be like, hey, Molly, like, um, what did you what did you first see when you got Joelle or Ivory diagnosed? Like, what was it that caught your eye? Like, people, like, my friends will call and they'll ask, like, They'll ask me questions about it. Um, and it's it's awesome to be able to help others. I love being able to help others. And even at work, like if I see a mom that's struggling, I'll be like, can I just give you a hug? And it's like you give them a hug and they break down because it can be so hard at times. And you can, even though you have people around you, you can feel so lonely um, because you just feel like no one understands unless they're going through it or have gone through it. You really feel like no one understands what you like understands you or what you're going through. And then with your dad, Molly, I know you mentioned that at first he, and I kind of had a similar issue with my dad because, you know, my son is speech delay and um, I, I put him into ECI mm -hmm. because I felt like, well, like let's try to get as many tools as we can to help him be the best that he could be. And my dad was like, don't do it. Like, they're just going to want to diagnose him with something. And very, like, against it. And I was mm -hmm. just like, dad, I, I mean, I told I told him, I don't think it's that way. And if anything, my experience with ECI has been, like, they really do not rush to a diagnosis at all. Like, if, you know, if they see a lot of red flags, they will tell you. But I feel like I haven't felt like they're just trying to diagnose him with something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. I guess it's just like an old school mentality that like, oh, they're just going to start telling him like everybody has ADHD in my dad's mind. Like everyone's going to be told that they have that. So how did you navigate that? And how did he come along now that, you know, now that they're into their therapies and improving and. Oh my goodness. Um, so when Joel got diagnosed, I like showed him the paperwork and I was like, see, I was. Um, but he is so, though sometimes I feel like he doesn't fully understand it. Um, he help he supports them a lot. Um, sometimes like if I'm working, he'll pick the kids up or pick Joel up from school. Um, so Joel's and Ivory's therapy, they kind of, um, overlap each other. So I'll go pick Joel up, take him to his appointment while my dad go picks up ivory and takes her and then we meet there mm, um okay. so he does help with that a lot um and then like when it comes to the house like we had to make our fence taller um and i mean 
I live with them right now, so he's the one paying for it. Um, then, uh, well, what else was it? Um, like Joello's water, so we had to find a way, like, <laughs> to take off the water spout so he couldn't turn it on because the water bills are coming out high. Um, <laughs> we had the like old swamp coolers where um, a metal line ran from the from the top of the um, the house to the water where you turn on the water spout, like mm -hmm. use the hose, and Joel would constantly break it. And he would always be like, why are you breaking it? Why are you breaking it? Well, now we got refrigerated <laughs> air, and he wants to jump on the refrigerated air unit, and you can see the fan spinning. And a lot of our kids get attracted to spinning things. Uh -huh. like, oh, my gosh. So my dad's like, you're going to cut your fingers off. So he went and he bought, like, a gate to go around it. Well, Joel found a way because they're so smart he like puts his foot we have like this brick thing like on the side of the house where the where the the new air conditioner is he'll put his foot on top he'll climb over the unit to get on top of the unit so now he's like what am i gonna do like how am i gonna stop him from getting into there because he's like he's gonna end up cutting his fingers off because there's the holes where you can yeah so he went and he bought PVC pipe and he like made this PVC pipe thing. It is so funny because yesterday I was in my room and I heard Joel like knocking on something. Like he was playing with something and I was like, what the heck? So I looked at the window. Joel took the PVC pipe apart and he was like no. banging it like drumsticks. And I was like, oh my God, your grandpa's going to be so mad. So then I ended up telling my dad. Um, um joel like and then so he went outside and he saw he got one of the big pieces of pvc pipe and he goes and he goes to joel he goes and of course joel's not paying attention to him and he goes like who uh -huh. took this off who took this off and then uh i've go like joel did grandpa and i'm like oh. <laughs> yeah so i mean those are things um oh my gosh um we're constantly that kid don't like we have to hide our rice we have to hide our beans because anything that he's like oh yeah sensory toy let's go like oh <laughs> like yo it, there's been times where we'll be like okay we'll give in and we'll give him rice in a bowl and there's like literally rice everywhere like and we're like oh yeah <laughs> <sighs> and then he's one that um he puts a lot of things so he has more sensory than ivory does so he constantly puts things in his mouth so we're always like take it out of your mouth take it out of your mouth oh, yeah yeah it's my life <laughs> but you know what i wouldn't change it i would not change my life for anything because my kids are who they are and they're amazing and like i don't know if you can tell like i have the biggest smile on my face because just talking about them brings me joy i love them yeah every time you talk about them your face get like lights up you have i wish people could see you are very happy and in love with your kids <laughs> i am i tell them i don't know if this is like okay but like i'm so in love with my kids like i love mm. them <sighs> and you know what like we were always told we weren't gonna have kids my, my husband well, my husband and i were still married but we're separated at the moment but we always were told we weren't going to have kids. We did fertility treatments. It didn't happen. And a year after is when we found out we were pregnant with Joelle. And Joelle's pregnancy was the hardest thing. It was like the worst ever. Like, 
it was so bad. Um, but going through everything that I went through, it's all worth it because my kids are amazing. They're special in their own little way, and I would never change anything about them. And, you know, um, you'll see it a lot that says um, in the autism community where it says, like, um, like, you don't need words to show love or something like that. And it's true. Like, they, they find their own way to show you that they love you. They can't say it verbally, but they, they find their way. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so special. Yeah. Oh, Molly, thank you. That, like, really warmed my heart because it's true. Like, I can see the love radiating from you when you talk mm-hmm. about them. And that's, that's amazing. And so before we, you know, before we wrap up, is there any advice you have for parents that are struggling, that are in the early stages where they don't know if their child needs a diagnosis? My advice is bring it up to your pediatrician. Anything that you feel isn't isn't right or that your child isn't meeting a milestone, don't be scared to bring that up to your child's pediatrician. Don't hesitate. Like, I think that's one thing that I've had to learn is don't over, um, don't second guess yourself. Um, I think, and then being in a border town, I don't know if it's just like the Hispanic culture, but I feel like a lot of it, people are in denial because I don't know if it's like they're feeling they're going to be judged or parents are going to be like, oh, well, it was all your fault. or I don't know what it is, but don't let other people, like, influence your choices and when it comes to your child um, because you are your child's best advocate for them. You're their voice. Um, yeah, so I think that's, like, if you see that something's not right, like, bring it up to your child's pediatrician. Yeah. Oh, that's that is so true like trust your mom intuition on a lot of those things and yeah. you know we often have to fight for our kids and you like you say we are their voices so it's important to just bring it up and if, if you know if, if it's nothing it's nothing i mean i'd rather be you know a little safe than sorry yeah a little proactive yeah. and if it's nothing then okay at least you know you took care of it but especially like you were mentioning earlier that those Early therapies are so important in getting them the right help. And then, if you know, if there's already long delays or a long waiting time, like the sooner you start, if you have any doubts, I'm glad that there are resources, you know, people like yourself that are very well versed in the autism community that understand it. And then having you even here locally as a resource, you know, working with the Autism Society of El Paso to kind of bring that awareness and that we're hoping that this podcast does that, you know, whether we have people that are going through it and feel alone and they want to connect with someone or they're still waiting for what does my child have this? Does my child, you know, those early thoughts that we all have about our kids hitting those milestones at the beginning. Sometimes we may be overthinking it, but other times we may have a reason to worry and, you know, getting that support out there. So I'm so glad you came to speak with us today, Molly. I really appreciate you and I really love what you're doing. So don't ever feel like the social media posts are annoying or anything. I think they're a great way to educate uh, a lot of us that may be a little clueless. So we really appreciate that. Thanks. Yes, thank you, Molly. 
Well, thank you, ladies, for having me. And uh, I'm just going to throw that out. In case anyone ever, like, needs anything, they need, like, um, just someone to talk to, um, you can email me at um, molly, M-O-L-L-Y dot C as in cat, dot signs. So it's S-A-E-N-Z at gmail.com. Um, I love being able to help other other moms or dads, even dads, because they're single dads who are doing the same thing they have kids who have autism and they're doing it so um yeah even the single dads like if you guys have questions um, don't hesitate to send me an email um yeah i'm there um it's always nice to have someone else to talk to yeah we'll definitely link your information molly so if anybody wants to reach out they can yeah definitely but thank you so much for allowing me to come on here and raise, raise some more awareness about autism because it's not Autism um, Awareness Month just for a month. It's, um, like Carla said, it's 365. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I hope you ladies have a great day. You too. Thank you.